Good morning. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about being mission-minded. And over the last couple of weeks, I kind of sort of went into the deep end of the pool. And last week, I turned on teacher mode pretty hard. So this week, I'm going to lighten up on you. And we're going to do something slightly different. You may notice from the notes that are in your bulletin, did anybody look at those already this morning? You may notice that there's plenty of room for you to write your own thoughts. That was on purpose because as we talk today, I want you to write down the things that are really important to you as we talk about fishing. Oh, by the way, some of y'all have met this young man. This is my son, Noah, who's currently in China, and uh, this is him trout fishing last summer on the Roanoke River. But fishing, Jesus said, 419, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I love to fish. And that came from really late in life. I was in college in East Tennessee in big trout water area. And I went out and started to learn to fish, fishing on the Watauga River and at Watauga Lake, fishing for trout. And you know, the thrill of that fish banging the line and tugging on your line and the hooks and the rod snapping and, and it just got me hooked, probably more than some of the fish I tried to catch. Catch. Yet, it took a while for me to learn exactly how to catch those trout. And time had to be in there. And um, I want to tell you what, it's pretty frustrating. Especially with trout, because you'll see that pole go, boop, boop, and they're gone. So getting that timing and everything right is really frustrating sometimes. And a couple of old-timers, old-timer fishermen, there in East Tennessee, took pity on me, seeing me there on the bank, and they taught me how to bait a hook and how to watch the line and how to read the water. Like so many species, there are times when trout won't bite. And there are other times of the day where they're so ravenous, but even then you can still be in a position where you can't get them to fish and when you know, get, get them to catch. But you know, when they're biting and you can't catch them, that's like really frustrating. That is, until that one day, an old timer taught me the secret. Paul was a great fisherman. Paul knew how to read the water, and he knew just what bait to use, and he wasn't afraid to change that bait and change his bait often. He could use the bread of life, appealing to the word, saying, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. 
And there are some times when, like a catfish fisherman, Paul used some stink bait. Over in Romans 7, he he talks about that. He said, so I found this this law working in me. When, When I wanted to do good, evil was right there with me making me a a prisoner to the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul was willing to openly admit the things in his life that stunk. He was willing to throw his rock on the table. He was willing to admit his shortcomings and his failures because he believed that if God would save him, a self-proclaimed murderer, surely God has the grace to save anyone and to forgive anyone who would call on his name. And sometimes he would dangle a very enticing worm off his hook. There was this time when Paul was over in Athens and he was walking around and he was looking at the city and saw that it was a very heathen city. Lots of idols. Somebody asked him if he could come talk because they heard some things that he was saying. And so he got to go to the Areopagus. And when he moved in front of that huge crowd there in Athens, he said this. Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found one with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Do you hear how he dangled that worm? And they just got him to go, what? You know the unknown God? Tell me. Paul was such a good fisherman. Even his opponents recognized his skill and influence. Twice, in fact, recorded in Acts 16 and in Acts 17, he was accused of turning the world upside down. And they hated him for it. Paul also wasn't afraid to move around. When the fish stopped biting in one area, he just picked up and moved on somewhere else. Which, if you think about it, is exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do. Back in Matthew 10 and Mark 6, Jesus told his disciples uh, out, as he sent them out to test out their fishing skills, he said to them, he said, now you guys, you, you, you go and fish. And when you find a place and someone to stay with, you, you go and you stay there for a while while you're in that town. And if you can't find anyone who will listen, or in other words, when the fish aren't biting, just dust off your shoes and walk to another 
place. That's kind of odd when you think about it. Fish not biting in that day and time? Weren't the people of God in Jesus' day looking for a Messiah? It's interesting, you know, that sometimes the best-looking water is really not the best place to catch fish. Fact was, and still is, that Jesus is the greatest of all fishers of men. Jesus had a way of knowing where the fish would be biting. And it wasn't always where you would think. Now, you would think that your biggest catch might be where the fish congregate, where they go to do business, where they go to do religious things. Yet Jesus went out into the middle of the desert, away from the sea, away from the rivers, and he still caught fish right there beside a desert well. You see, there was this one day when Jesus was by Jacob's well and in all places in the middle of Samaria. And through talking with one person who you think would have zero interest in God, he wound up landing the whole town. You see, this lady came out in the middle of the day to draw water and Jesus does a little catch and release with her. He wets her interest enough that he lets her go and tell somebody else. He treated her with respect. Even though she had led an immoral life, And she went back to the village and brought the whole town out to see Jesus. This man who told her everything she had ever done. And after a couple of days of listening to Jesus, the town people turned to this woman and said, You know, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Who would have thought that Jesus would be able to catch such men for God out in the desert of Samaria? But you know, Jesus used the best bait of all, He used a very selfless kind of love. And what he did was he loved people into the kingdom. Many people that others find unlovable. When Jesus went fishing, he was fishing for people he was willing to die for. See, Jesus always had more concern about the souls of mankind than about the baggage that they carried around with them. And it's a really good fishing lesson when you stop to think about it. 
always fish like you love the fish. If you want to be successful, go where the fish are. And your approach, your approach is very important. Approach everyone as though they matter to God and they matter to you. Look beyond what you see and look for that soul that Christ died for. And friends, there are possibilities everywhere I think that's part of what he wanted the 12 to learn that first time that he sent them off on their their first mission journey, on that first fishing trip. It's interesting. If you ever go to a lake or, or look in a stream, there's oftentimes a lot of fish in there that are hanging around that are in different places. And there's fishermen that are banging in the water and the lures are just going right by them. Like this time when the disciples had fished all night and had caught nothing there in in John 21. And, uh, you know, as day breaks, Jesus comes and he's over there on shore. and, And he says, hey out there, have you caught any fish? And they called back, nope, not a bite. And Jesus said, well, throw your net off the other side of the boat and you'll find some. And they did. And they called 153 keepers. Now I've got to ask you a question. What's so different about fishing off of this side of the boat or that side of the boat? It's practically the same thing, isn't it? Here's the difference. When they could have been discouraged and they could have told Jesus to go away and pull their nets in and came on the shore, even at that point when they were ready to give up, they were still willing to follow the master fisher of men. In fact, that day, one big fish almost got away. We call him Simon Peter. And that day, even despite everything that Peter had done in that week previous, he found a place with the master fisher of men because Jesus met Peter where he was and loved him back into God's grace. Listening to the voice of the master fisher of men is great advice. That's also what Paul did. Paul was so in tune with the master fisherman through his spirit that Paul used that spirit as his fishing guide. Going where the Spirit directed him. Staying away from some areas because the Spirit told him not to. And going other to other areas where the Spirit laid him. 
The result is Paul called souls from Israel to Italy. And he continues to influence souls today all because he was willing to listen and follow the Holy Spirit's lead and by fishing wherever he went. Paul understood what that old-timer East Tennessee trout fisherman told me one day when he told me the secret of how to avoid frustration when you're fishing. He said to me, he said, Eric, it ain't called catching, it's called fishing. If you go fishing for fishing, you can't go fishing for fishing. You got to go fishing for fishing, not for fish. In other words, to be successful, we have to go fishing for fishing. We have to learn to enjoy the process, not fishing for fish. Because after all, that bite, that strike, that nibble, that's really up to the fish, isn't it? I want to take just a second. Have you pull out that contact card that's in your, in your bulletin? And if you would, just, just write your name and your email on there. If you're a first-time guest, if you want to give us more information, if you'll fill the card out, there's a table with a red tablecloth out there that has some gifts out there for you. If you'll take your card and you'll set it in the basket on that table, pick up one of those gifts. There's, there's a book there I think you'll enjoy reading, and, and there's a Bible there that's written in very, very easy to understand English. Uh, pick up both of them if you want and take them with you. But right now, everybody write your name on the card here if you would. In the email. On the back of the card, there's some things here. Some things maybe you might want to try to do this week to keep this thought moving forward. I've got a memory verse there for you, and you'll notice it's more than one sentence. But it's well worth it if you'll take the time. If you're willing to try to memorize that, just mark that so I'll know. Also, I would encourage you to read that whole chapter of John 4. I talked about it just briefly a little bit. And ask yourself why you're, you're looking at it. L look at it with a different eye, okay? Look at it as to what Jesus is actually doing. And ask yourself, what can I learn from Jesus' fishing methods there with that woman by the well? And that Samaritan town of Sychar. Also, there's two things here. Uh, casting crowns, they're going to be in concert on March 19th. The Boz have got some extra tickets. They're there. Uh, if you want to go with them, uh, you need to get in contact with Carol. She'll be the one that can help you with that. Um, 
there is a cost, but Carol can, can fill you in on that. And also, uh, the choir is back up. The choir is getting ready for Easter. If you want to help out with that, they would greatly appreciate you making a joyful noise along with them. Because that's what I would do if I was there. It would be a joyful noise. Get it? If you want to join and help out with that, they're working on something for Easter right now. Uh, please come. Uh, Wednesdays at 7. Uh, if you want to help volunteer for that, mark that. I'll make sure Carol gets that. Uh, two other things here. Saturday the 26th, we're going to have a gathering for everybody who's been doing communion meditation or would like to do communion meditation and uh, our welcome volunteers. This is going to be kind of an appreciation with a little bit of training stuck in. And it's not 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. I did that. That's on me. It'll be 9 a.m. Saturday, March 26. Uh, if you can come, please be there. Uh, last week, we had 11 guys who indicated that they would take part in a men's Bible study again. So we are moving forward with that. If you are willing to commit to that, Monday starting January 28, says 6 to 8. It'll probably be 6 to 7, but I don't want you rushing out before I'm done. <laughs> It's only going to be a six-week study. And guys, what we're going to do is we're going to take They Smell Like Sheep, the second book, volume two. This book is challenging. This book is talking about the heart of being a leader. And I guarantee you, it will be a benefit to you if you're seeking to move towards spiritual leadership even if that leadership is just in your family. And it'll be a benefit for you in the workaday world as well. But it is, it is more of an internal look, whereas the first book is more looking at the functions of elders. This will be more of developing the heart of a leader. If you're interested in being a part of that, please mark that so I can get books ordered, okay? There's also a spot here. You want to learn more about becoming a follower. You want to learn more about baptism or getting involved. Mark that off there. And we will get in touch with you. Um, put this card in the offering baskets as they come through. Uh, you guys that are visiting with us, we're not expecting anything from you except just the card. The offering is really for those who have committed to support the work here and the missions here at the church. You got to go fishing for fishing, not fishing for fish. If you go fishing for fishing, you'll come home a whole lot less frustrated. Also true. You're not going to catch any fish if you don't try. Fishermen love fishing because they love the exercise. They love the challenge, the lifestyle. And the reward is in the journey. Father God, We thank you for Jesus 
teaching us how to fish for men. We thank you, Father, that you are still supplying a good stocked pond for us to fish in right here in Portage and Kalamazoo and the surrounding areas. May we, Father, be willing to respond to your call. May we be willing to to not look at evangelism as something that we have to do with a result that's really up to the individual and the Holy Spirit moving in them. But may we, Father, be willing to develop a lifestyle of fishing for fishing. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us if you would, please.